This is Talking Aerospace Today, a podcast for the aerospace and defense industry, a place that brings the promise of tomorrow's technology to the ears of our listeners today. I'm your host, Scott Salzweedle. Welcome to Episode 3 of our five-part series, Driving Innovation Through Digital Transformation. We are in the early stages of a huge innovation wave spreading throughout the industry. Finding the right technologies is key to success and significant profits. Today in our third podcast, we'll be discussing power density and thermal management of an EV toll aircraft. The battery is only one part of the electrical propulsion system. In addition to the battery, there's the electrical power distribution, the electrical management system, along with cables, buses, and so much more. Before we get started, to recap our last episode, we talked about EV toll aerodynamic design, how there's so much to aerodynamics the eye cannot see. If you missed it, I urge you to take a listen. In this podcast, we'll be discussing EV toll power density and thermal management. Whenever you're dealing with electric propulsion thermal management, this is of paramount concern. I'm pleased to introduce my special guest, Dale Tutt, who is Vice President of Aerospace and Defense at Siemens Digital Industry Software. Welcome, Dale. Thanks for stopping by to talk about innovation. Hey, thanks, Scott. It's so good to be here today. Okay, so innovation. Could you please share with our listeners how we plan to roll out this podcast series? Yeah, absolutely. So in the last episode, episode number two, we had a great conversation on aerodynamic design and some of the considerations that these EV toll or these urban air mobility companies have to look at as they're designing their new aircraft. In this episode, we're going to have a great conversation around power density and thermal management and how does a company go about solving all of those challenges. Next up, we'll be talking about structural design and using composites and additive manufacturing to really come up with the most lightweight design possible. And then finally, uh, we'll wrap it up with the uh, E and E VTOL part, our electrical system design. So a lot of good topics uh, around all of the technical challenges that a company working on these urban air mobility aircraft have and that they're facing today. Great. Thanks, Dale. I should also mention that later in this episode, we'll be joined by Terry Ulbricks, Director of SimCenter Aerospace Solutions at Siemens Digital Industry Software. Terry's experience in aircraft simulation runs deep. So we're pleased to have Terry on the show today. But first, Dale, what's so innovative about eVTOL propulsion? It definitely feels like we're entering the next wave of propulsion in aircraft design. When you think about the, you know, the first airplanes that came out, propeller-driven, and then, you know, the next propulsion system that really came up uh, was the jet engines. And if you think about the first jets that came out and how they just started to transform the aviation industry and in World War II, when the uh, ME-262 came out and really changed the nature of aviation with fighter aircraft. And now there's been all sorts of, you know, fighter aircraft developed over the years uh, on jet engines and and how it transformed the airline industry and, and business jets and being able to move people faster and more efficiently from one place to another. Now the next frontier is electric propulsion. And I have to say, when I was starting uh, as an engineer, I could have never imagined that electric propulsion could become commonplace in my lifetime. And so it's pretty amazing what's going on in the arena of electric propulsion right now. Yeah, it's exciting stuff for sure. I'm seeing more and more of this E designation. What does that mean? Well, E is just simply electrical. So it's electric vertical takeoff and, uh, and landing aircraft. It's really has become the standard industry term uh, moving as, you know, as companies have moved from one form of vertical takeoff to another. But to get there, you know, the E allows you to have much lower 
mechanical complexity because you're able to do everything electrically on the airplane and, and you have more flexibility with some of your aircraft configurations and, and the ability to put more rotors on, on these aircraft. And, you know, the electrical components are so much easier to maintain and sometimes more reliable than their mechanical uh, counterparts. You know, and, and I think then, you know, the impact on the simplicity is, you know, is really part of the uh, total cost of operations. When you think about total cost or operations of helicopters, which are the more traditional vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, is, is the maintenance that's needed for them. But the challenge is, is when you start bringing electrical together, the power density isn't the same for batteries as, as for, you know, a gallon of gas. And so uh, you really have to change how you manage your weight and your performance and your uh, efficiency to help manage the battery complexity. So another challenge is when everything's electric is you get huge thermal issues. Uh, These electrical systems generate heat. So you don't have the convenient sources, the traditional sources to uh, reject that heat. This is probably a good time to bring in Terry. Hi, Terry. Could you please help us understand the challenges of electrical propulsion relating to EV tall design? Hi, Scott and Dale. Great to be here. Well, Yes, the, the electrical propulsion units that are being developed today, and it started actually eight years ago, are really allowing to change the configurations of the aircraft. And one of the major things that we see is that there's a drastic increase of installed electrical power, uh, which is basically unseen for everything that has been flying up to now, actually. Now, when you compare, for instance, look at the city Airbus, it has actually something like eight motors of 200 kilowatt installed. Eh? So it basically requires 800 kilowatt to take off uh, four to six people and to fly it. And of course, there's uh, uh, another 800 kilowatt uh, electrical motors installed for redundancy reasons. And that makes that uh, that, that aircraft has actually 1.6 megawatt installed uh, electrical power, which is quite amazing. Certainly, when you compare that, for instance, to the installed electrical power of, uh, let's say, traditional fixed-wing aircraft like the 787 and the F-35 JSF, which has approximately one megawatt installed power on the aircraft. I know the comparison is a little bit difficult because uh, in the 787, the electrical power is not used to propel the aircraft, but still, it uh, shows what kind of uh, new kind of challenges are basically uh, in front of the engineers that need to develop this. Of course, Dale already pointed to that. Uh, When you develop such an electrical system, it comes with uh, a lot of heat. eh? So a lot of heat needs to be rejected during the complete mission. But another thing that I thought of, uh, Dale, is that uh, when you compare the current power units on a aircraft, they are all very concentrated. So let's say the conversion of the chemical energy into uh, heat into mechanical energy, again, into propulsion energy, actually happens at one concentrated point on the wing. Eh? And with the electrical power units, uh, certainly when you look into, for instance, uh, uh, hybrid electrical power units, you will have the gas turbine and the generator, which is located at one location in the aircraft. You will need a lot of harnesses to basically transport the energy throughout the different uh, parts of the aircraft and basically feed the different motors, which will really be distributed around uh, the aircraft. And then there's, of course, also the increase in power density. When you want to make electrical power units viable for the uh, aircraft industry, you need to reduce the weight. 
that has been always been the case on the structure, etc., and certainly on the electrical machines that you want to install. Now, that increase comes with a lot of engineering challenges. And of course, when you decrease the weight, you decrease the, the heat capacity of that system, whether it's at component level, like at, uh, at the battery level, the electrical power distribution centers, the inverters, uh, the motors, etc. But it also holds for the integrated aircraft. How are you going to make sure that during uh, that mission, whether it's in cold or hot conditions, that uh, the thermal balance of your integrated aircraft is right. And then next to the thermal problems, I believe there is an unseen, let's say, challenge related to the integration of the electrical systems. We will be talking uh, in, an, in another podcast about this, but uh, it's clear that the electrical machines will operate at a higher voltage than what has been implemented typically in, in, in the current aircraft, but also at higher currents. And that creates a lot of integration problems, not only the heat integration problem, but also electromagnetical uh, integration problems. There will be a lot of uh, electromagnetical effects. There will be EMI, EMC problems. Maybe when you operate electrical harnesses at a higher altitude, maybe some corona effects will, will basically lower the performance of your insulation that you have put in place in the harnesses. Could you tell us a little bit more about the aircraft electrical motor design? Of course, the development of aircraft electrical propulsion units is very, very interesting. Actually, when you look at traditional industrial motors like uh, industrial motors for trains or mining machines, these machines typically have a power density of less than one kilowatt per kilogram. Now, when you want to make electrical propulsion units viable for uh, aviation, the industry will need to increase the power density of these machines, whether it's a motor or the inverters that are uh, involved. The industry will need to increase that power density to 10 to 15 kilowatt per kilogram. So the quest to remove the weight and to increase the power is all about finding, I would say, the good engineering balance. And that balance is very much dependent on each different aircraft and its specific mission. And the only way to do that is actually to master the physics of these high power density electrical motors and inverters, etc., is to master that through simulation. And of course, when you want to master that in a decent way, you need to take into account all the physics that are basically playing in such a machine. So you have the electromagnetical physics, you have the thermal side, you have the rotor dynamics, you have the structural behavior, structural dynamics behavior, you name it. You need to be able to deal with all these physics in an integrated way. Now, a very nice example that I want to talk uh, about here is the Rolls-Royce electrical aircraft example where they have already been able to implement high power and high power density motors in flying test beds like the extra 330 aircraft. So I'm talking here about the Rolls-Royce uh, propulsion unit, the 260D, which is actually uh, oil-cooled in order to protect, of course, the permanent magnets. In the newest version, that engine, that motor, actually reaches already 5.8 kilowatt per kilogram. And of course, they also develop higher power motors like the two megawatt motor, which will be integratable in a commuter aircraft. And that's actually a motor that actually reaches 
10 kilowatts per kilogram. So with all this heat, how do companies manage it? It must be nearly impossible. It's just mind-boggling. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. So the aircraft industry is looking in a lot of new ways to reject the heat, actually. A way to solve this is to look into more performant ways to exchange the heat and basically reject the heat from the motors and its components. A possible ways to do that is to use dual-phase cooling cycle systems. What is clear, though, is that before defining the architecture of the aircraft, one needs to go through these dynamic mission cases. And it's very, very important to look which aircraft structural architecture and which aircraft system architecture is actually the best for that specific aircraft and its mission. So there again, the need to basically be able to create digital twins that allow to look into the engineering physics that, that allow to look into all engineering physics, whether it's at component level or at integrated aircraft level. So including, of course, all thermal physical aspects. Could you give our listeners a few real-world examples to help illustrate these concepts? Oh, yes. Uh, well, I, I want to come back on Rolls-Royce Electrical because uh, they are really at the forefront of uh, implementing digital twin technology in the development of uh, their aircraft uh, motors. They have really been using the Siemens accelerator portfolio to the max. Uh, they did not only develop their um, uh, motor in the Siemens solutions for developing the digital mock-up and the CAD models, they also have been managing all the data and all the requirements in the Siemens accelerator portfolio. But uh, on the simulation side, uh, they uh, have been using our tools to look into the electromagnetical behavior to optimize the electromagnetical configuration of the uh, uh, electrical motor. Very important, as already said, is a thermal management. So they have been using our fluid dynamics capabilities uh, to look into how do we implement the right systems to basically cool the motor with oil and how do we also use the flow of the air to help to cool certain parts of the motor. Next to that, of course, is there's also the structural integrity, the structural uh, stiffness, with, which is very important. And uh, as you know, when you increase the power density, you take away a lot of structural mass. But when you reduce the structural mass, you also take away stiffness. And that might have an impact on the deformations that happen in the motor, which on itself might again have an impact on the electromagnetical behavior. So there's really these interactions between the different physics that need to be understood. And that's where Rolls-Royce Electrical has uh, been using the Siemens tools to create a real tightly integrated digital twin coupled to the parameters of the CAD model in order to come to good solutions. Well, that's a wonderful example, Rolls-Royce Electrical and how they're using the Siemens Accelerator portfolio. So so, Thierry, I was wondering, maybe we could, on a broader scale, just talk in general about the uh, Siemens Accelerator portfolio. How do you see that helping our customers? Siemens provides the most comprehensive and complete digital twin. And we can simulate all engineering physical phenomena that capture the integrated thermal balance of the aircraft. And we can do that in a very scalable way. First of all, scalable from component level, because you need to understand the structural, thermal, electromagnetical behavior at component level up to the integrated aircraft level. And that's what we call 
at that level, we actually are capable to create a virtual integrated aircraft model, which is very important to understand at uh, vehicle level how the different uh, uh, systems interact with each other, whether it's uh, energetical or thermal. Secondly, scalable with respect to all the physics. So you need to be able to look into the structures. You need to understand the thermal behavior, the energetical exchanges between the different systems. You need to understand the electromagnetic side of the motor, but also the dynamics. Within the electrical domain, for instance, you also need to understand how that uh, motor and the different components of it will basically create electromagnetic fields in context of electromagnetic compliance and interference. Now, with the breadth of uh, this engineering physics, comes also the need to look into the engineering physics with different methods. And that's also where we provide a lot of methods that can help the engineer perform the task in the most efficient way. So we have fluid dynamics capabilities. We have 1D system simulation capabilities. We have 3D CAE capabilities. And as uh, Durell already pointed out in the previous podcast, testing is very important. Uh, You often need to bring a lot of evidence as a proof of compliance to the airworthiness authorities connected to these different domains. Now, it's also scalability in the life cycle of the program of such an aircraft development and motor development. You need to be able to perform very early trade-off studies, and that typically requires course models, because these course models basically allow you to very rapidly look into different configurations of, uh, for instance, the cooling system of this electrical motor. But as you go in the life cycle of that development, you need to be able to create very detailed models, very highly accurate models. And let's say later in the development phase, when you come to the verification phase, and when you maybe want to use these models in model in the loop, software in the loop, hardware in the loop type of uh, uh, verification, test benches or or or, or on the integrated aircraft, you need real-time models, which are, again, let's say, representing the physics of the system, but which uh, allow you to run these models in a real-time way. So on top of that, it's not only about the digital twin. It's also about how do you manage the processes uh, with the different teams that you put in place? How do you manage the processes with your supply chain? And how do you manage, for instance, the, the, the processes to, to go through the verification, uh, starting from the requirements that you have uh, basically documented? Well, that requires, of course, the digital threat capabilities that we have. And for instance, verification management allows you to couple the requirements very much to, let's say, the, the information that will be created uh, around the test benches, whether it's model in the loop, uh, hardware in the loop type of uh, test benches. But uh, that verification management capability also allows you to take test data and to connect it to the simulations that you have done and basically keep the traces to the requirements. Great. Well, thanks, Terry. Really good stuff. So, Dale, care to jump in here? We're talking about the digital solutions and anything you want to add about Accelerator, the digital twin or digital thread at this time? Yeah, Scott. Uh, thanks. And uh, thanks, Terry. As, uh Great stuff. And I think as, you know, as, as he was saying, talking about the, all the different tools and solutions that we have available that you can put in your toolkit as you build your digital twin of your program. And, uh, you know, that this can really scale to any size of company and, and to all of your different processes. And 
and that it really gives you that rich, robust understanding of what's going on in a uh, multi-physics, multi-domain uh, way. So having this comprehensive digital twin, being able to bring uh, you know different solutions in quickly in a very flexible and open ecosystem. And so uh, with these tools and with these approaches and the understanding you can get and the automation of the workflows between the different tools as you build your twin, it really helps uh, foster innovation, as I've said before, that when you take away these administrative tasks, you really allow your engineers, your technicians to start focusing on what they do best. That's solving problems and coming up with new and creative solutions. So uh, getting on the path of digital transformation and really you know, using that to, to go quickly into your uh, design development certification is a big benefit a lot of our customers are getting out of digital transformation. Wow. Well, you know what, guys? I'm afraid our time is up. Terry, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Scott. Nice to be here with you and Dale. Thanks so much, Terry. So no question, Siemens Aerospace and Defense is ahead of the curve when it comes to innovation. It's no surprise we're bringing the technology of tomorrow to our customers today in a number of very real and proven ways, as you've just heard here. So, Dale, thanks for joining the show today. Hey, no problem, Scott. I really enjoyed uh, today's topic. And uh, it's a lot of challenges, and uh, it was a fun topic to talk about. So, Dale, before we say goodbye, could you tell our listeners what they can expect in our next episode? Absolutely. I'm, I'm actually very excited about this next one as well. So uh, we're going to be talking about structural design of your eVTOL using composites, and, and it's a very up-and-coming topic, and I can't wait to talk about it. Thanks, Dale. I know you like to talk composites. And of course, I'd like to extend my deepest thanks to our listeners. Uh, I'm glad you tune into this podcast. Thank you, listeners. Now, at the top of the show, I mentioned this is a five-part series. If you enjoyed this episode and you don't want to miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to Talking Aerospace today on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go to get your favorite podcast. That way, you won't miss a single episode. You can also check out the links in this podcast description. My name is Scott Salzweedle, and this is Siemens Talking Aerospace Today. I hope you'll join us again for our next podcast. Until then, bye for now. 